Season 2, Episode 11, Part 2 of The Power of the Alpha Mind. Mercy Heavens will be delivering a fascinating and exciting lecture on creative, empathic, and psychic writing, and she will also be sharing with us her experience as a psychic investigator. Before we begin, I would like to open with a message from Mother. Mother says, The Ascended Mind is the Alpha Mind. However, not all who experience the gifts of the Alpha Mind experience the vast open peace of the ascended mind. Most who are receivers of Alpha Gifts are fully grounded in their mortal minds, believing that they are human, while they are thoroughly indentured to their human information. They are open to their Alpha mind, and this is why they are gifted, but they are receivers only. They are not ascended. The ascended master knows the experience of ascension and it changes that mortal. The ascended mortal is no longer mortal in his or her higher mind due to the fact that the human identity is now aware of what ascension is. There has never been a mortal that experienced ascension that ever wanted to forget their ascended experience. This is how glorious the ascended experience is. It is truly a portal to perfect peace and emancipation from all trappings of the mortal condition. In the same way that there are mortals who possess Alpha Gifts without being ascended, there are ascended masters that do not experience Alpha Gifts. Ascension does not bring on Alpha Gifts, and the presence of Alpha Gifts does not necessarily mean you are ascended. But when you are ascended and you also hold the gifts of the Alpha Mind, you are a master of transformation. Your ascension makes you aware you are not mortal, and your gifts point to your true immortal mind. And when you choose to pursue immortality, so you choose transformation. And as you transform from the lower mind to your higher mind and your higher identity, so you master transformation. And when you are knowledgeable in the ascended experience, the alpha gifts, astral transformation, and knowledge of living in the afterlife, you are a master of immortality even though you still hold a mortal body. We are very excited that so many of you are interested in the immortal mind and we look forward to teaching you the science of immortality that has been kept hidden for so long by your masters that persecute the higher mind because it is the polar opposite mind to their self-serving carnal minds that prefer the darkness of their physical might over the illumination of the Alpha Mind's glorious, emancipating power. The ascended experience changes everything for a human mind. The lower mind can no longer settle for confinement in a prison of service to mortal ideas and mortal information. The human identity will want to explore the vast open reaches of consciousness and the longing to explore and the liberation and emancipation in the exploration will make the human identity want to remain free. It will not want to return to mortal purgatory. It does not matter what conditions of mortality existed prior to ascension. All mortality will seem limited, tedious, unfulfilling, and dissatisfying, simply because the identity now holds that true freedom that is not indentured service to redundant mortal purposes that lead only to a corporal grave. True freedom is true life for the mind, and when the mind is placed in the foreground as the most valuable asset a man has, that mind thrives, and nothing can compare with the mental satisfaction and fulfillment of a free, liberated mind that is thriving with life. For this mind knows the highest possibilities, the highest attainment, and the highest achievement of all, total intellectual freedom and perfection. The Alpha Mind is ageless and timeless, 
and this is why it is immortal. It does not conform to any mortal parameters or conditions. It is pure intelligence, pure intellect, and pure wisdom. Those of you on earth that see innocence as childish only feel this way because innocence gets in the way of corruption and the advancement of corruption. But purity is innocence, and the Alpha Mind holds the perfection of purity and innocence that cannot be stained or sullied. Alpha Intelligence cannot be corrupted. Alpha Intelligence cannot be made redundant or repetitious, unlike human information that goes around and around in a loop of redundant playback within the human mind. As mortal life is centered around industry and commerce and indentured service to a redundant economy, so materialism is prized and the mind is sacrificed for cash, metal coin, credit, stocks, bonds, real estate, bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. This is all the mortal amounts to, and he cannot take these things with him. He is doomed to live in his memories of these things, unable to make new because there are no materials in the afterworld. All of his profit that meant so much to him is an illusion, just as his information is an illusion. For man is not on earth for his flesh, he is on earth for his mind, and the journey is not meant to squander the mind through materialistic limitation and self-service that keeps the mind closed and small. The journey is meant for the higher mind that is always open, free, vast, unlimited in potential, and full of the highest possibilities. To those of us who are ascended, it is a travesty that so many of you are the victims of ill-gotten gains and poor thinking. You waste your natural mind's potential and your alpha potential, pining for physical and emotional attachments and pleasure, and these things cause you to be chained to your belongings as ghosts that roam the earth. You will be imprisoned in the afterlife as you were on earth. You have the power to be fully awake and filled with the light of true life and emancipated intelligence. Yet, you choose to smother yourselves in an eternity of darkness when liberation is only a higher thought away. Welcome, Mercy. We are all anxiously awaiting to hear your lecture on psychic creativity and your work as a psychic investigator. Thank you, Viva. I'd like to start by discussing the psychic block in our last podcast. I mentioned that I had no premonition of your accident, only a vague sense that something bad was going to happen. Psychically reading a loved one often feels like your intuition is being blocked, almost like your mind is protecting you from gaining knowledge of that person you were close to because it knows the knowledge might upset you. Since the mind won't allow the psychic information to get through, all you are left with and all you can perceive is a vague, bad, or good feeling, and therefore you must be extra careful and alert whenever you feel like something is wrong or uncertain. Although it is difficult to sometimes psychically read the fate of a loved one, it seems to be quite easy for spirits to reach you through psychic telepathy, possibly because you are a stranger to them. And now I would like to speak about psychic creativity and how it's influenced by telepathic enhancement from the spirit world. Divine intervention in psychic influence is a big part of songwriting and storytelling. In fact, it's a big part of all creativity. Many people don't realize this, but creativity is an activity that comes from the higher mind, and that is why the higher mind is susceptible to divine telepathic and psychic influences. Spirits in the physical plane and the astral plane contact me with music and creative writing ideas, as I'm certain they also contact you, Reaver. Is that right? Yes, they do. The mind is so powerful, it can reach out and contact anyone, anywhere, who might be on its same wavelength. This is psychic telepathy at its creative highest. For psychic telepathy knows no time frames or distance barriers.
It is free-flowing and it can reach one person or many people worldwide. Speaking of stories and creativity, once I am divinely inspired to write a story of a song, it takes me a good week to a month to complete a tale and it can take me up to a couple of hours to complete a song. But in either case, if the story of the song is not complete in a short period of time, like clockwork, when I go to sleep at night, by morning I will wake up with some divine message of how to construct the plot of the song and keep it going and end it to its conclusion. Could you explain waking up to divine messages? I often hear the Spirit's lectures in my sleep and I wake up and jot them down. Is this similar to your experience? Actually, it is similar. But the thing is, when you're dealing with creativity, it more comes to you as an absolute creative endeavor. I'm going to give you an example of this, whereas you see the spirits and the spirits give you um, divine... I actually don't see them, I hear them. You hear them. Okay, so you hear divine messages. Well, what happens to me... I'm sorry, I think of myself as listening to their podcast. As listening to their podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, what happens to me, and I'm going to do something that just happened actually um, at the end of last year. I saw somebody in my dream, somebody who I recognized, and they were playing a piano on the stage. They sang this whole entire song from beginning to end. I never heard the song before, but I absolutely loved it. I think it was an advocacy piece for animals. It it? was an advocacy piece, yes. It was called um, Glass Houses. And when I woke up, just amazingly enough, whoever gave me that psychic message in my sleep was still with me. And I literally took a piece of paper and I wrote it down. And then I took a recorder and I sang the words that I wrote down into the recorder. And when that happens, I remember you said to me, what are you doing? And I didn't even hear you ask me that. But you asked me it a few times and then you came over to me and you said, oh, you're writing, okay. And you walked away. And that's how usually creativity, for me, I don't know about anybody else, but that's usually how creativity happens. And it doesn't just happen when you're asleep, Um, but that's one of the things that happened to me as far as getting a creative uh, message through. That was a song. Um, Another time, a song, I was wide awake. I was sitting at the piano, and I wanted to write this particular piece But I really didn't know where I was going with it. I had an idea. It was a vague idea. And so I was, you know, playing on the keys. And nothing was really happening. I I didn't really know how to go about writing this particular piece. Again, it was an advocacy song. And then all of a sudden, I saw this amazing black woman Um, She was beautiful. Her hair was coffered, and she was probably, I would say, maybe in her 60s. She was an older woman, and um, she had a little bit of graying in her hair, but not much graying in her hair. And she just belted out this piece, and it was so astounding that I, I just couldn't help but write it down and I did and she stayed with me from beginning to end until the song was written
But as he was trudging against the water with such effort, he was singing a song. And the song was this. I am a free man. There are no chains upon my soul. My mind is free and it ain't never going low. You can't break me. You can't shake me. You can't make me go your way. I am a free man. I own myself and I'm okay. I am a strong man. I am convicted in my words. I'm not a blind man. The light's revealed in actions and all words. Oh, I pray to my Lord Jesus for salvation in his name. Now I'm a free man. I'm heading home and I'm okay. I am okay. Love it. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you. I like the song, too, very much. It's just so amazing to go to sleep at night and have that come over you. You know, someone actually singing a song and then waking up in the morning and remembering every word and the entire tune and and writing it down. It's absolutely, positively thrilling for me. And the same thing happens in story ideas. I will go to sleep at night and I'll be, I wouldn't call it writer's block, but I'll have started a story and I'll not know where to go with the story. And then all of a sudden, I'll wake up and the entire thing is, is right there. And how that happens is I don't hear words like you when you speak to the spirits at night, it's more or less I see like an action movie. It's bizarre, but I do. I see the characters who I'm using and, and I see them actually living out the situations. And then I just have to, you know, jump on the computer and, you know, I, I type it out. I type out exactly what I'm seeing to its conclusion. Well, you're tapped into the astral world as it is anyway, and that that is a world of the imagination. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely the, a world of the imagination. I, you know, love doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, many times I hear voices during my waking hours, and these voices... Uh, invisible fans of my writing. I know that sounds funny, but it, you know, when this started it happening sound to, funny me, to me, no, it doesn't. Well, no. it it did to me when it first started happening to me. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And I literally hear voices. Whoever these people are, I have no idea, but they'll say things to me like, "Why don't you add this to the tale?" Or, "You know what? You forgot to add this." Or the voices will, you know tell me, oh, you didn't keep that intact. I remember you said this. It's like, where's that coming from? And then Spiritual contact. It's spiritual contact, right? At first I thought it was my own mind, and it's like, well, well, no, I mean, these people, they, it's, remind me of a Star Trek convention. <laughs> but these people, it's like, I feel that they really like the story that I'm writing. The you know? people you're, the spirits you're connected to are very imaginative. So, I'm not surprised that they 
I encourage you so much. I'm glad they encourage you as much as they do. Oh yeah, I am too. It's it's a wonderful experience. You know, uh, again, you know, sometimes they will even give me new story ideas. I adore it when they give me new story ideas. Uh, the voices of these fans, um, you know, will tell me like instead of doing this, why don't you do that? All right, and then sometimes they'll be really critical, and and like you know, sometimes they'll they'll say to me, you know, like you never should have done that, or they'll they'll tell me why I shouldn't have done that, and it's like bizarre. It's just so totally bizarre. And then I I'll go back and I'll re read what I wrote, and then I'll I'll rewrite it, and it comes out so much better. It's it's weird. It's just wow. It's like I'm so glad. Thank you for telling me that that, you know, I, I really didn't do this justice because it comes out. I always thank them, whoever you they should, are. You should, yes. They, they, I do. They are your muses. Yeah, I always thank them. My experience of creativity and psychicness is merely just, I come up with a hook for a song or an idea for a podcast, and then the rest flows. Well, yeah, it, the, the, it's yeah. the flowing. It's but I, the, have to, I have to come up with the idea and I have to come up with the right. hook. But then it's like divine. It's like ins- mm-hmm. inspired and it does flow. And you don't have to do a thing. No, you don't have to do right. a thing. It, just, it comes right out. You are guided by these spirits. Sometimes I can think of a tune and I'll also receive words. Exactly. Yeah, well, you're a brilliant songwriter anyway. I don't know if other authors or songwriters experience all these things that we're talking about today. But... To me, it's like um, being in two separate worlds, and one world is watching over the other world. You know, and it, it, it's not just fans, mind you, now. Characters. The characters who I use in stories are alive. They tell me what they like, what they don't like, what they want to do, what they won't do. In fact, they sometimes even refuse to write what I want to write. I'm not surprised. You know, many authors say that. Yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that before. I did so, but experiencing it yourself is is just so wild to have other people inside you, you know, expressing themselves. And even though, like, you might think, "Oh, I love this story idea. This is going to come out really awesome," and then the character says to you, "I'm not doing that. I'm not writing that. Or I want to write that this way." It's like. You, it, it, there's a conflict of, of interest inside yourself, but these characters are real. They're they're re- they're apart from you. They they have their own personalities and totally their own attitudes apart from your own. As if they um, are living separate lives. It's true. Yeah, apart from you, even though you're the one who is writing them, it's extremely extremely strange. And you know. I would have to say probably the voices in my head are responsible for 80% of my writing and they watch over me and I think that is also a nice thing because you, you never feel alone. No, you, know? you don't. They are really like your entourage. Yeah, and sometimes you feel it to them, oh, they're my friends. You know, it's it's great. Of course they're your friends. You know, yeah. in the case of this story that I'm writing now, which I have been writing, incidentally, since 2004. So this has been going on a long time. I started writing it um, when I sat with Ma during her dialysis treatments. Now, this is based on... Uh, planet Earth and the takeover of the planet Earth by um, those who would turn it into the Earth into a commercial enterprise. Right. And sell it. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was inspired by many, many things um, writing this story. And um, it was very wonderful to get these stories written. I jotted them down again as I sat with our mother in dialysis and I, I, I literally wrote them down as if they were a diary. And But originally the story came quite unexpectedly for three long hours, three times a week in the dialysis center where my mother received her treatments. Um, I really didn't have great concentration. 
it made me sad, anxious, and tired, and I was depressed all the time. No matter how emotionally taxing this place could be, it was also a place of death, pain, suffering, and a place where the end of life was near and quite evident. And I really, I guess, was open to the spirits. And I think that's why they really channeled to me. I think they were trying to ease my mind. Yeah, of course. They're very compassionate. Yeah, I I remember in the beginning, in the beginning of this particular tale, um, Christ made me aware that this story had to be written. But it was during one of these long and tedious sessions when our mother was asleep that I literally dozed off myself and I started to dream. Um, In the dream, I saw this man in a long red cape and he had a very high starched collar and he was walking through a room filled with flames. Sounds like the devil already. uh, Yeah, really. And he was shouting, Mother! He was calling out, Mother, where are you? As I tried to figure out who this person was, I began to see that, as you said, he, he looked like the devil. And, uh, oh, at least he looked like the devil in the iconic, you know, uh, characteristics of the devil as he appears to be in paintings and in movies. Um, he had a very thin face, a mustache, a pointy beard. And again, he had a high collared red cape. And um, he reminded me of a Halloween uh, character, only he did not have horns on his head. And as the man called to his mother, I could not stop thinking of our mother. And so I called to him, who are you, I said. But instead of getting an answer, I saw the room brighten to a clear blue sky as the climbing flames began to turn to waves. And this cool blanket of ocean water began to roll towards me as I stood barefoot in the sand. Wherever this devil-like man came from, he was now gone. And where he stood, I saw the figure of Jesus Christ rising from out of the ocean as if he was literally beneath the ocean and he was coming up out of it. And as Jesus rose, he said, you will write a book. Yea, this must be done. God has blessed all, yet all are not blessed. Let there be light over darkness. The tale must be told. The vault has opened, and from it shall spring the birds from the sky, while the waters and land that lie beneath it bring liberty to the creatures of the sea and every living thing that breathes life and moves upon the ground. From your own hand you shall produce that which is fruitful and increases in kindness. For man is not kind, nor is man a kind creator of a kind master to life. Yea, man is the destroyer of creation and all things that are kind. So therefore man's actions must be accounted for, and from your mind shall spring the story of man and his dominance while you tell the world of his subjugation over all things, both innocent and kind. Yea, let it be said that from this day I give you every seed to nurture the stories inside you and bring them forth. So in this tale the fall of man and the rise of animals will be your food. Let it be known that man's own rule over God's creations is over. For no longer will they reign as the dominators of God's own world. As I woke from this dream, I clearly saw the first scene of the story I am now writing. And from that point on, the story began to write itself as if it were divinely inspired. Psychiatrists call them mental illness or auditory hallucinations. People who are not open to receiving spirit communication 
through spirit energy, mind waves, are trapped in a lower mind frame, and therefore they often lack comprehension, understanding, and higher natural intellect concerning these type of spiritual encounters. Well, most um, psychiatrists, um, they're programmed. When you go to school, you're programmed Mm -hmm. in all your classes, and this programming continues through college, if you go to college. So you're constantly programmed. Then you go out to work, and you are programmed by your employer. Oh, yeah. So Uh it's all programming. That's all it is. And most people do not think beyond their programming. Most just uh, learn the programming forwards, backwards, and upside their head, and they just carry it out without even thinking about it. They accept it, and they don't realize how ruled they are by it. It's true. And, you know, telling this story the way I'm telling it now, no one would believe me. No one would believe me that well, this I is how this came you, but about. then again, I'm also ascended, so I do understand, so I can believe. But the people that are just following their programming, that's it. I mean, you could put the largest period in the world after that sentence, because that is all they amount to. There is nothing else, so how could they possibly think outside the box? You have to remember, the alpha mind is not in a box. The alpha mind is vast and open consciousness. There is no box. In other words, there is no limitations. So alpha thinking isn't closed. It's not small-minded, fearful, restrictive, superstitious, or suspicious. The alpha mind's openness feeds it the highest intelligence. And through alpha intelligence, the alpha mind knows alpha intelligence. So it is connected to alpha information. The Alpha Mind knows natural intelligence, so it is connected to natural information. As the higher Alpha information and the lower natural information are both balanced, the Alpha Mind knows there is nothing to fear in the natural spirit or in the natural spirit mind. The Alpha Mind knows there is nothing to fear in the ascended mind or in ascended information. The knowing is not mortal nor is it book-learned, nor does the knowledge come from human programming. The knowledge comes from the purity of the Alpha Mind. The pure mind knows there is nothing to fear in purity. Only the human mind knows fear because the human mind has been invaded by unnatural information related to a human identity and human information. There is no human identity or human information in any natural mind of any natural life kingdom. There is no human information in the vast open alpha mind or in the intelligence of the Creator. The wave signature of human information is unbalanced, unstable, and erratic. There is no peace in human information, so there is no peace in the human mind. How can a human feel safe if it is unbalanced? It can't, so the human mind is suspicious, doubtful, and superstitious. It has no understanding of natural intelligence, alpha intelligence, or the intelligent creator. All it has is human information that is only focused on the human condition. And this information has nothing whatsoever to do with intelligence. It only pertains to the human condition and all of its wants and needs, its clinging and its craving. The human mind is needy. It is not free. It can never be free. I agree with you. And one thing that you forgot to put, Um, in that long list that you said, was skeptical. Yes, they are also skeptical. How can they not be skeptical? They're unbalanced. It's true. Peace brings peace. But unbalanced brings skepticism, suspiciousness, superstition, doubt, fear. It's true. 
And people who lack first-hand knowledge of these types of spiritual communications, they find it hard to confront the fact that these communications are impossible to verify. So they have to tag them with classifications that suggest that they are abnormal to the human mind. Well, they are abnormal to the human mind. The human mind is not a natural mind. So what is natural is abnormal to the human mind, just as the human mind is abnormal to what is natural. Well, right, but they think their mind, they think the human mind is normal. They think their thinking is natural. Yes, but that's because they're unbalanced. All they know is themselves. They don't know the world beyond themselves. How can they know the world beyond themselves when they're boxed in with their small thoughts that are totally focused on themselves? It's true, but you know, there are a great, great many people who have had spiritual communications, famous people. I don't know if you realize this, but in the year 1640, that's pretty long ago, you know, the Bible, of course, even before that, naturally they had spirit communications. But in the year 1640, one of the Quaker founders, whose name was George Fox, felt God was speaking directly to him. And that is why he was told to leave his own church and form the Quakers. The Quakers practice an all-vegetarian and vegan diet as a reflection of the peace testimony extending nonviolence towards animals Good for him. as something that God told them to do. The Shakers leader, that was pacifist um, Ann Lee, she also left her church after she was having religious visions of Jesus Christ. The Shakers also emphasized a natural diet of unadulterated food of whole grains, fruits, and vegetables. Again, that was given to them by the spirit communications that she had with Christ. Even the trial records of Joan of Arc from the year 1431, she said, I was 13 when I first heard the voice from God. I heard this voice to my right. Really do I hear it without it being accompanied also by a light. This light comes from the same side as the voice. Since I came into France, I have often heard this voice. St. Francis of Assisi heard the voice of Christ saying, Repair my house, which is falling into ruin. Mother Teresa devoted her life to caring for those in need in Calcutta. After she said, she heard Christ directing her to do so. Then there are so many other modern people, up-to-date people, John Edwards, Joel Alstein, Neil Donald Walsh, James Van Prague, Byron Katie, Raymond Buckland, Eckhart Tolle, Chad Magolis, and Kevin Ryerson have all claimed to hear a voice that they call God. Do you remember Corinthians twelve seven to 29? No. Well, it says this. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good with these gifts. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. The gifts they're speaking of is the gifts of the Spirit, the empathy, the psychic awareness, and, and all those type of gifts. The extraordinarily psychic, empathic, and mental abilities of Jesus Christ are the very same psychic, empathic, and mental abilities that all minds hold if they are full of the Spirit. These abilities are proof that the Spirit of God is inside us, and therefore these abilities of psychic and empathic awareness are as natural and normal as the way the body breathes air into the lungs. In Romans 9.11, Jesus told the people, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. What is the power of Christ? The power of Christ is self-control, goodness, love, peace, psychic ability, 
empathy, healing, and every single natural highest spiritual mind power that Jesus Christ possessed. It's actually in every one of his uh, statements that are in scriptures. Of course, absolutely. Jesus wants the people to be like he is. In fact, he told the people in John 14, 12, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. Truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, he told his apostles. Because I have a mind, I shall live and return to you, for the spirit is the mind, and the mind cannot die. From the mind of the spirit comes the gifts of all mental powers and abilities. Because the spirit and the mind are one, so the works of the mind come from the spirit, for the works are the gifts of the mind and the spirit. Because you too have a mind and a spirit, you too shall live after physical death, for this too is a gift of the mind, the gift of eternal life. On the day I rose from my death, did you not realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and therefore I am also in you, for all minds are connected to the one? As you are told in John 5:24, I will say to you now, whoever hears my word and believes me will pass from death to life, for this is the gift that the Spirit has placed inside you. In Galatians 6, 7 through 8, it says, The one who clings to his own flesh thoughts and deeds will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who clings to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life, for the Spirit is immortal. There is no flesh that can be corrupted if one thinks and acts as Spirit only. They shall reap the peace of the full powers of the mind. In Romans 2, 6-8, you were told the Father will render to each one of you a spiritual blessing according to your good works. To those who do good deeds and seek for honor, the Father will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Do you not know that wrath and fury are the very things that memories hold? When those memories sow unrighteous acts and deeds that spring from the flesh, there is no peace in unrighteous memories. The memories of the flesh will only bring eternal destruction to the mind. So use your gifts in righteous ways. Remember, I am the advocate of the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit is the Father, whom you call the one Creator God. The Father has sent me to teach you all things about your gifts and to remind you of everything that you must do to gain control over your minds. When I said to you, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, it was to remind you that if your actions are not peaceful, your faith is weak, your gifts are useless, and your works are mere corruptions of the flesh. I have told you many times what shall happen before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I spoke the truth. The gifts of the mind are true, so do not forsake them, for they too are eternal. I came back to the world so the world would learn to use their gifts, for only through the awakening of their gifts can men and women hear me. In my lifetime, I have done exactly what my Father has commanded me to do. This was the greatest gift of all, the power of self-discipline, self-restraint, self-mastery of the mind. So the flesh did not seek corruption apart from the spirit, but instead it sought the peace and joy of the spirit. All things that are contrary to the Father's commands are the words and deeds of women and men, and therefore they are the sins of the flesh. These sins are not from the higher mind of the spirit, 
given to you by the Creator, for they are contrary to the peace of the spirit and to the peace of the mind. The flesh is the only part of a man that can be corrupted by violence and peaceless things, for without the flesh there is only peace. The works of the mind of only thoughts and imaginings, they do not physically harm or destroy what God has created, for they are free from all physical disturbance and mayhem. To enhance and develop the gifts of your higher mind, you must use your mind and your gifts to reap the rewards of peace while you are still alive. Spirit energy lives on a different plane of existence than the physical plane. Ghosts on earth make appearances in the place that they have attached to in the physical world but they cannot remain active. Activity is very draining for a ghost due to the fact that their energy field is composed of gravity energy from all the human information they carry and their human emotional attachments. All activity depletes their energy reserve and they must seek a refuge in a corridor between the earth and the afterworld. Whereas living physical beings live in the here and now of the physical dimension, ghosts on earth live within the time period they came from. Only if a ghost had the awareness to see that life was changing around them would they realize time was moving on. It is more common that a ghost remains in a time peridium in his own mind, believing the time he lived in is static and constant. The afterlife is not the dimension of ghosts. The afterlife is within the conscious astral universe that is layered over the physical dimension. The afterlife exists as a parallel dimension to the physical dimension. The two dimensions connect as long as minds are open and able to receive and perceive them. The spirit in the parallel dimension of the conscious astral universe will live within its human memories, and the ghost that is attached to the physical plane will long, pine, and mourn for whatever it is attached to while it believes it lives in the same time period it knew in its mortal life. A ghost that remains in the house it lived in believes it continues the life it had in the house it lived in, and anyone that enters the house is an intruder. Only if the ghost is aware it is disembodied will the ghost be aware that intruders are actually the new tenants or owners, and then the ghost will respond according to its willingness to surrender possession of the home or its willingness to share the home. Some ghosts that die suddenly have their corporal lives interrupted, so they wander seeking to continue on where they left off, Others live in a time loop of their last moments of life. This is a residual haunting. In the case of an angry spirit, this spirit holds a grudge against something or someone, or it seeks revenge or repayment for some wrong. This spirit is also trapped within its own time. There is no more awareness in the mind of a human ghost or a spirit than there was in the mind of the human mortal while it was alive. A human mind that is aware does not live in a time portal unless it chooses to. A mind that is aware cannot be trapped or confined as a ghost unless it chooses to remain on earth. The aware human mind is in charge of its own destiny according to its awareness. The unaware human mind is a slave to its recordings. The untapped and unharnessed energy which we call the human spirit is capable of doing many of the things that it once did in life. Only this time when they do these things, they do it in their minds. Jesus told me, Let no man defile the spirit, and let no man defile, persecute, or defame mediums, and those who speak with the dead. To pray to me is to speak to my spirit. All those who speak to me and pray follow the path of truth. And when they give up worldly corruptions, and violence and replace these things with the commitment to their higher spirit mind. So they are also students of divinity. To speak to any spirit is to speak to the dead. Yea, he who follows the traditions and ways of man's world cannot follow me in truth, nor can they see or know the spirit for what it truly is, nor will they ever understand what they truly are. 
To fully understand spiritual concepts, man must awaken to the fact that they are more spirit than they are flesh. In order to experience spiritual energy firsthand, you must erase all skepticism from your mind and embrace the fact that once the living soul is released from a living body, it has the capability to send energy impulses to those of us who are still alive in the flesh. To be able to see and speak with the dead as a receptor, the receiver of spiritual energy must first accept the fact that spiritual energy is nothing more than a disembodied mind. Spiritual abilities can be received at any time during your lifespan. This is because all spiritual energy is already inside you, lying dormant until it is utilized and until it comes to the surface. Whereas our brain sends signals to our body telling us how to physically function, our spirit energy sends signals to our heart telling us how to emotionally feel, and it sends signals to our mind telling us how to intuitively think. Spirit energy sends waves of intuitive knowledge to our minds so that we become aware of a sixth sense of future events that have not yet occurred, or past events that have already occurred. Spiritual energy has the ability to do this because it comes from a fine web of knowledge that holds the collected information of all living things in the web of existence. The fine web of knowledge that I speak of is the God Zone, for God was the first mind that had the ability to admit spiritual energy waves out into the universe. As these waves attach to physical life forms, so they also return to God at the end of their physical existence. And this is how their knowledge of physical existence joined with the knowledge of God's mind, until more and more knowledge from every single life form was accumulated and shared with every additional energy wave that spread out from the home base. Knowing that spiritual energy is alive and active while filling every space in existence helps us to realize that the supernatural and paranormal are actually quite natural and normal, even when supernatural gifts are bestowed upon an innocent child. These gifts are not supernatural at all. They are quite natural. Astralism 3, The Science of Immortality, will be released later this year. Astralism 3, The Science of Immortality, is an in-depth look into immortality from the point of view of the spirits that live it and the experiences of psychic investigator and spiritual physician, Reverend Marie Carew, who shares some of her most exciting cases. Astralism 3, The Science of Immortality is written by Irma and Marie Carew, and it is published by the Cosmic Christ Life Center. Look for it in the Kindle store of Amazon.com this fall. I'm Reva Christ. And I'm Mercy Heavens. May, May peace, peace be with you, and thank you for listening. listening.